podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the show that brings you business ideas from proven founders. My name is Chris Justin, and I'm here with Ethan Janney. Ethan, how are you doing, man? Tired. Tired. I'm trying to reset my clock. I know I want to wake up around four to five in the morning. And, and today's my first day of just pushing myself out at 4.30. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to uh, keep up with y'all today. <laughs> I believe in you. So today we've got Ola Sars on the podcast. He is the uh, co-founder, one of the co-founders and former CEO, COO of uh, Beats Music. He's a founder, CEO, chairman of Soundtrack Your Brand as well, which is a platform that provides background music for businesses. We're not going to be talking about any of that. You guys know that our show is about new business ideas. Ola is bringing one to us to talk about a better way to aggregate micro mobility apps. Ethan, I know you did a little bit of research on this and did some calculations about how much uh, energy savings potentially there could be out there if people transition to micro mobility more. Uh, so I think it'll be fun to to dive into that. Yeah, I'm sure you've looked into this too because you were working chemical engineering and you care a lot about the environment. It's like when, once you get into it and you start doing tr trying to do these calculations, how much energy am I burning? Where does it come from? This and that. So I mean, theoretically, a car in order to travel three to four miles, it's going to burn, what do I have in here? It's like 100 kilowatt hours of electricity. Oh, sorry, one, one kilowatt hour of electricity. Chemical engineer in me is cringing as you're tripping over. I did, I'm totally screwing it all <laughs> yeah, up. Tell me what I was supposed no, to just be well, saying. First, let's bring Ola on. Ola, thank you for uh, joining us. We're excited to talk with you. Excited to uh, share this idea. What triggered this um, this idea in your mind? Well, it, it comes from the reality of using micromobility and basically, you know, every day uh, I try to, I, first of all, I try to walk as much as possible given these times and I'm living here up in the north of Sweden and the middle of nowhere, Stockholm. Um, we've been, we've been fairly softly hit. We, we've been right in the middle of the COVID crisis, obviously, but we've been somewhat open through the whole thing. And we've been able to kind of keep working and keeping kids in school. So I've been kind of still moving around, but I'm really, really just moving within kind of my micro range, right? So I am over consuming micro mobility and in Stockholm, we're probably behind you guys uh, in terms of evolution, but you know, just uh, scooter services is just exploding. There's like five, six different brands that I'm using. Um, Lime is, as one example, US. Voy is a Swedish kind of challenger that it's now leading in Europe and so forth. And everything from like, you know, bikes to electric scooters that I usually use to more sophisticated scooters to car services, it's all moving to kind of access, right? But transportation and micro transportation, uh, when I don't have time to walk, which I usually try to uh, create for myself, I use one of these services and I have like 10 apps on my phone. Uh, and I, I don't think I have to explain anything more. Every time I, I walk over the corner, I'm trying to find the right app. And then there's another scooter from another brand and I'm trying to, and, and if there's no one around then I'm trying to find it, but which, which app should I open to try to find a scooter? 
And it would be just so convenient to kind of just think about the, the actual transportation problem that I'm trying to solve and just access any type of service as quick as possible through one aggregated account and maybe even charge it to my business. Yeah, I think one of the other use cases here is that back when you could travel and in the future when you can travel again, when you're in a different city, oftentimes they have different micro mobility services out there. And I was walking around in Baltimore, it must've been over a year ago at this point, but came across a scooter. I didn't have the app. I wasn't on Wi-Fi. I could have downloaded, but then everyone would have waited for that to happen. So you end up just not using it. And I wonder how much more use these scooters would get if there were a unified app. So it's a powerful carrot. I think the first objection that comes to mind that I think we need to work through is what's in it for the scooter companies, at least on the surface. Imagine that they'll have a very strong disincentive to have their data just pulled and into uh, some aggregator and, and become a, and have them become a commodity. One idea for why they would do this is some of the lesser known brands may actually gain market share, but I'm curious what you guys think about why someone like Lime or Voy would do it. I was listening to an interview with Travis Vander Zanden, founder of Bird, and they were talking about how they were actually opening up their application to entrepreneurs who want to start their own little micro business, basically renting out scooters. And so in a sense, you you could be facilitating something like that. So what I can see is if you get really good at being the aggravator, it actually disincentivizes the individual players to have an incredible app experience, right? Because people aren't even going to go into that app. Why do you need to make it so great? Yeah, I think you guys pretty much nailed the main challenger here, right? It's like, that's that's the first thing you think of. Why, why would they even open up? And it's such an immature market still. But uh, actually, I could draw a parallel to where I come from in music streaming. And, and I mean, I think every industry starts like that when aggregation starts. Everyone's like, why would they? I mean, you look at real estate, you look at all the markets that are basically driven by aggregation today, price comparison, everything. All of those are like aggregation businesses where that they all started with the same challenge. I think that's like, why would we? Why would we share? But for some reason, they get to a point where it's incremental opportunity. And I think that's the core, like how do you provide incremental opportunity or incremental focus for the actual, you know, micro mobility supplier in this case. So I don't have the answer, but I think it, it's been done before, but it's obviously the biggest challenge. I think this is a good time to bring in that there is a company out there who is doing this and has been doing it since I think April of 2018, something like that. Scooter Map, they originally started as a way on the other side of the marketplace. I didn't even know that this existed, but there are a bunch of people out there who collect scooters to bring them back to charge them. And before Scooter Map existed, you'd have to log into each individual app and find where the scooters are. So it'd be really inefficient to go out there and collect them, bring them back, charge them, and redistribute them. Scooter Map had that functionality built in. You could see how much revenue you can make, and they charge 10 bucks a month, I think, for that. And then they started offering the rider side where you can look directly and see all of, you can see Lime, you can see Bird, some of the, the other major competitors out there. And they got a cease and desist letter from Lime. Lime is not a fan oh. of, of uh, Scooter Map. 
and and they just went down this litany of of things, uh, which Scooter Map addressed. And ultimately, it became clear that they're just trying to kick them off the app store. So there is, uh, you know, there's precedent for what we're talking about here is uh, as problems. There's still Scooter Map still exists. It's rated 4.2 stars on the app store. Uh, so you can go out there and download. It's not super well known. I didn't know about it at all until preparing for this podcast. But this guy is who started it. Pontus is his last name. He's barely breaking even, and he's competing against Lime, who raised seven hundred sixty-five million dollars in venture capital, and Bird, who raised five hundred forty-eight million in venture capital. That's a big challenge to try and take on as a as an individual. But again, is he competing or is, I mean, his, is his idea to compete or collaborate, right? Is that, that's kind of what's the essence of what's difficult here? Yeah. And I think it, it comes to that first objection though, is uh, the scooter companies, Lime would rather you not go and look at, at Bird. I think uh, Ola's point though, is a very good one that there's a precedent out there for other industries where people have done this with hotels and travel bookings and all these different things. So there's probably a way to address that. That's, that's a big challenge to figure out. I just want to clarify that story about, uh, about scooter map. So is this a thing where it's like they facilitate a way for the actual users of the various scooters like Lime or whatever to help out, to maybe earn some credits or points by doing facilitating the charging is that what's going on it's both they allow the facilitating and the charging that's how they started but then they added a rider side as well so you Mm -hmm. can open up scooter map as a rider just like you would open up bird lime voy and find a ride so you can see if you look at the interface you see a little uh, lime logo for the lime scooters and you see all the other logos out there you just see all the scooters you can uh, book it used to be able to book it directly within the app the uh, scooter companies complained so that now it it opens the other app which is not nearly as good you still have to have the other app downloaded but at least you can find all of the data together in scooter map so this brings up kind of like a i don't know what you'd call it ethical some type of business general question what's good for business what's not capitalist question so like if you take a company like amazon right i mean amazon has kind of done this for online business, right? They, they've, they've said, Hey, let's, let's make it easier. And you can sell this and you can sell that, you know, and everybody's like, Oh, that's all. okay, cool. Yeah. I'll jump on. I'll, I'll sell through Amazon. I'll sell through Amazon. And then one day, you know, somebody who's making a ton of money off of Amazon, like our previous guest, Aaron Hooley, you know, there's some change in the parameters. They get delisted or, you know, there's, the commission structure changes and they're like, oh man, I'm screwed now. And then you see the rise of Shopify, who's, you know, the anti-Amazon trying to help the independent person have their own store and own more of the, the pie there. So is that where this would go? Is that the ultimate end of this thing that it's just sort of becomes the conglomerate aggregator that rules everyone? That's the fear, right? This is kind of the core of this. And I, I still want to go back to historical industry evolutions where kind of this aggregation is working because it's the better way for the actual user of the services. It kind of facilitates more business. It makes more people actually choose to use a, you know, micromobility versus driving their car and so forth. 
So it's a very immature new market. So season desist from Lime doesn't, you know, surprise me at all. You know, they're still just kicking off these companies. They have another five years ahead of them before, you know, they're even close to probably discussing getting to some type of maturity stage one in the market. It's just like gun ho going for market share right now, right? So it's a battle. But I think it comes to a point where either the Shopify or the Amazon example, they're great examples. I, I mean, both of them kind of solve a problem for, for the entrepreneur. I mean, maybe this, this service can open up for like smaller micro mobility services, very local. And maybe I have like five really cool mountain bikes that I want to just, you know, connect to the service and let people use it. And, and, you know, it can go any, any, any direction. And I, 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 I certainly don't think you start with Lime. I think that's the wrong, you need to start with the small challengers or kind of the, the small aggregation kind of entrepreneurs that that where you become incremental quickly because for Lime, you're probably not going to be incremental adding on top of what they already have or you're not going to be significant at all in this stage. So it's, I think it's sequencing as well. I think it's good to look at ancillary business, Uber, Uber and Lyft. It's no secret Uber is losing a ton of money. They lost $2.9 in the first quarter of 2020. It's a it's a mobility business. People, I, I think about them in the same vein, even though it's a different, you know, different distance that you're trying to travel. But I, I think that's a, um, a cautionary tale here of that's a more mature market, maybe three to five years ahead of where micro mobility is. And they have largely commoditized Uber and Lyft. People just want a car. They want to get to, from point A to point B. They haven't figured out a way to get someone to uh, prefer one over the other, other than you know the Travis Kalanick stuff with Uber got a lot of people to stop using Uber for a little while. But I think that we really need to get ahead of that uh, lowest common denominator, driving down the price, commodification of this service. I found out that that uh, micro mobility services, at least in the United States, I'm not sure about worldwide. Ola is based in Stockholm. At least in the U.S., they're down. The payments for them are down almost 100. percent It's mm. been yeah <laughs> devastating from the pandemic. So there's an opportunity there to to pivot and to uh, figure out a new business model. Um, and certainly, people will come back and and use services like this. We were talking before we recorded. If you haven't ridden a scooter, I think it's glorious. I I was uh, riding around in Santa Monica. It's perfect for an environment like that. You've got the sun beating on you, breathing fresh air. Uh, you feel more connected to the world around you. It's, it, there's so many reasons why it's good. So it'll exist, but you know what? Yeah, I mean, it a time like that though, if 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 a if a market is kind of uh, under under stress, it, it could be a very good time to move into it, right? Because in, in some senses, there's no place to go but up. And and of course, you know, we I haven't researched it that deeply, but it's pretty clear that people don't want to share much nowadays, right? Like anything that involves sharing something, oh, somebody else was just using this, I'm going to say, man, you know what, I'll try something different. If you invested in starting a micro-mobility micro -mobility project now, it might be perfect timing, right? You get all the basics down while the competition might be thin and people are ignoring the field. And then within the next couple of years, as you gain momentum and the industry starts to pick up, you can be the basically the first, have that kind of almost like a first mover advantage, another chance at a first mover advantage because of the, the downturn in, in usage. I think I want to connect to kind of the Uber example and Lyft example, and then compare that to VoI. 
um, which I know the best because I know, I know the team really well, but so first of all, kind of, uh, Voy owns the whole value chain in terms of the actual product, the commodity, right? So they produce and distribute and manage a fleet of, of scooters, which is super sophisticated and is a business in itself, right? So, so there is something where you can excel in kind of distributing the micromobility platform of their scooters. They're at the same time expanding horizontally in terms of uh, bikes and other types of vehicles within kind of their platform. So that's they're kind of going vertical and horizontal at the same time, right? They own the whole production and they're adding products on top of, you know, on, on, on the offering. If you look at Uber or Lyft, I mean, they don't own the actual commodity. They are at, you know, as such, perhaps aggregators, but under one brand, right? Because they're a platform for entrepreneurs. And you can take the example of Shopify, the Shopify model versus some other companies like Ticktail and so forth before where, where Shopify actually is the platform for e-commerce, but then some of them have tried to kind of be the platform, but then they moved to becoming marketplaces. So it's kind of like, you know, the square, you're thinking horizontal evolution and, and, uh, and kind of uh, moving down the value chain in terms of owning the product as well. So I think my point being, I think it's a very immature market right now with micromobility. And, and by the way, I think it, there's, you know, investors are still gun ho because they see this, you know, 10 billion, 20 billion, $30 billion market, which is gonna happen. I mean, it's happening in Europe right now. Voice just killing it. They're winning city by city by city. And six months from now, we're gonna be beyond COVID hopefully, um, if, if, you know, if we're lucky and everything goes in the, in, the, in the right direction. I think it's just the beginning. So either an interesting idea would be if Voy or any of the other brands as such they become the actual aggregator to other services, smaller services that could connect to their platform. That's one way of doing it. Or if a different type of company comes in, just like Lime did with Uber, right? I don't know. I, I assume that started in the US where you could actually book a Lime through your Uber um, service. We had that in Stockholm, at least. Um, so they're kind of connecting to each other anyway, the big players. So there is some type of flexibility um, in terms of, how you access customers and and kind of how you aggregate. Okay, that's two companies aggregating, right? But that's one step towards becoming, moving closer to aggregation. So I think A, it's a super complex business. So there's openings in the value chain for things that voice shouldn't be doing, that they can't be best at. Maybe that is, you know, getting all the customers in. Maybe they're best at running the platform. B, there's already aggregation happening in kind of very immature levels in between big companies and, and maybe maybe small companies. And C, I mean, Uber is actually already an aggregator, but under one brand because the entrepreneur is running the cars underneath it, which is a very mature you know, market, but they're actually aggregating driving services. Right? I just want to throw something out there because it's like, yeah, what? So they get the scooters and they get this and they get that, but there's this kind of commoditization that we talked about where lowest common denominator and, and these apps kind of basically start end up running for free. So then what I think about there is though, but why why is there why is there any interest in in something like Uber or Lyft? They have a ton of users. And I think when people see all these users and people using something, they say there's gotta be an opportunity there. One thing Chris and I have talked about before is like if you're not if I forget what it is. If you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Then you are the product. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so like something like Facebook, right? It's, it's increasingly becoming obvious. People wasn't obvious at first that 
the product of Facebook is the people on there that they can now be marketed to, right? And the people that are paying for Facebook's uh, revenue are advertisers, right? So I'm curious if we just want to discuss for a moment that with any of these plays, you build a product that people love to use, but they don't want to spend a lot of money to use it. Is there another way to make money really that has nothing to do with what you, what the users might think is the way that you're making money? There's no better example than, than Google, right? There's, that is the example of, of that equation. So just, let's just imagine that Google took on the aggregation role. Uh, then you start talking about, you know, big brother coming in and really adding value being huge on top of these platforms. And all of a sudden boy becomes and lime and, and bird becomes these small players that connect to the system. Right. So Google maps with, uh, and Google pay with all of the different micro mobility services. Um, that's a pretty interesting aggregation thesis, right? Uh, and then back to who's paying for what here. Maybe that is Google paying or maybe restaurants paying through Google to the actual uh, micromobility suppliers. I don't know, but that's kind of flipping it a little bit that a big player would come in and kind of take the aggregation role here. Yeah, another option that I'll throw so, out there is this being subsidized in some way by governments. That's on the table in multiple cities right now. There's some discussion in Denver, Tampa, San Francisco. They've classified e-scooters as e-scooter businesses as essential. Um, Portland has started a partnership with Spin, in which Portland is temporarily waiving the daily scooter fees of 20 cents per scooter and 25 cents per trip in exchange for Spin reducing the cost for a ride by 50%. As climate change uh, becomes more of a, um, takes up more mindshare in, in people and local governments' minds, uh, solutions like this, that back at the beginning of the episode, we were alluding to the, um, we're talking about the energy usage to, to, uh, to go one mile in a car, right? It's far more efficient to use a scooter, far fewer greenhouse gas emissions. If you can capture those extern externalities, into something like this, then a platform that reduces the friction to using a scooter becomes much more valuable. It's interesting to like really think deeply about these issues and ask ourselves, you know, are these things more efficient? Are they making the environment better? Um, or is there, I, is there, I think it would be a disservice way? to those, again, putting my chemical engineer hat on. I think that we need yeah. to be very clear that they do use far less energy. I, I've done the analysis for electric vehicles, at least that people say the same thing of, well, you have to use all this energy to mine the cobalt and create right. the vehicles themselves. The payback period for that energy use, the break even in terms of total energy use is about two years for an average user. So it's very clearly the case for an electric vehicle that's way larger than a scooter, takes way more resources to create that. If you're replacing some trips that you would otherwise take in a car with a scooter, that payback period of energy use is gonna be far smaller than two years. Yeah, let me allude on that angle because I think it's a really interesting one coming from Sweden, the, the country of government, right? <laughs> where, where, <laughs> where, uh, but, but jokes aside, I mean, I use public transportation during normal circumstances all the time. Like we have an awesome um, subway network. We have an awesome bus network. I live in the city. I, you know, the only reason I have a car 
is because I have a parking space <laughs> and my kids play soccer. So honestly, that's that's actually why. Otherwise, I would never have a car. And it's, it's basically because my kids play soccer and I they're too young to actually ride the subway by themselves. So so having said that, I, I have a I have a monthly pass with like public transportation, but public transportation only gets you like and within certain boundaries it's not you know this would be an awesome complement on top of public transportation so back to your kind of government subsidiary or a substitution of this i think that makes a lot of sense if it's if it works with kind of the the whole you know save the planet angle which is obviously our most important angle right now in everything we do um and efficiency of travel and everything i think there's something there that's very interesting if you connect it to current public transportation efforts another idea to expand the value chain here for uh this app imagine that you were sitting in a restaurant and you're wrapping up and there are no scooters around you and within the app you could request that someone drop off a scooter in front of your restaurant for you and uh, they they reserve it so within that app maybe they're in mime and they still have it checked out and you know they they check it back in right when you're finished and there's a seamless transfer i think things like that there there are probably other ideas like that where you can make it more convenient for someone to use that uh, people would pay even a premium. Let's say that if you paid 10 bucks a month, then, uh, or five bucks a ride, something people would pay for that ability to have someone uh, bring a scooter to them. But one thing that I'm noticing is the internet now is seen as a utility, just like water, right? Or or the or electricity itself, right? And as I kind of think about how the, all of these transportation efficientizing companies are aggregating and bringing things together, and Uber's now about scooters, and it's about cars, and who knows, maybe they start managing the bus system or whatever and trying to optimize everything. Just curious, thinking really big on things and thinking really far ahead, does transportation turn into a utility in the future? I, I think it's so interesting. I mean, uh, imagine kind of just like carbon footprint type of exercise on like you get score, you score. I mean, they subsidize historically, they built subways, buses for a reason, right? But now they're, they're kind of the last 10, 20 years, we've been hearing kind of the carbon footprint and kind of the environmental angle to that a lot, right? And take the bus instead of, you know, uh, the car and you see these pictures of, of highways in LA where there's one person in every car. Right. So kind of within that thesis and the future, that's not looking so bright right now for the, for the human race. Right. Uh, and government stepping in and having to do something. I mean, imagine the thesis of, you know, gaining carbon footprint points and uh, the government subsidizing the whole transportation, not being free, but maybe subsidized. Right. Um, it's like internet actually was subsidized in Sweden in the beginning. And it was actually your first PC, you would be, you would get like 80% subsidized when, when we were building up kind of the internet, people would be able to kind of subsidize through the first PC purchase. There's something extremely interesting there. I think from just a small aggregation app idea to the, the greater good of uh, creating a much more healthy transportation idea. Uh, that has to happen because we can't keep going like we're doing right now. Being an interesting long-term vision, you know, you look at somebody like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he had this thing of like, well, what, what would I do if I sold Facebook? I just keep working on Facebook. I'd create another social media app. And so like, and that's because he had, 
you know, clearly had some sort of long-term vision that he was passionate about. So it'd be interesting if you started with the scooter aggregation app and your long-term vision was to become a transportation utility company of the future. It's definitely a, a, a exciting avenue to pursue and something that could keep you going long-term. I wanted to move to how do we make money <laughs> at first, right? Is it, are we taking a little cut of the fees? Are we really making like a dollar 50 cents a booking? Like, do we have investors at first and we just, it's just about growing our numbers. How do we, how do we make money with this project? Honestly, I think uh, as demonstrated by this challenge that Scooter Map has faced, even in just existing without taking a cut, right? I imagine that if you asked both Lime and Bird, who both sent cease and desist letters to Scooter Map, if, um, if, if you, if not only would they allow you to exist, but can you pay us for those bookings? I, I think that they would chew you the door uh, very kindly. I think that it has to be some sort of value add that, that there's something additional that you're doing as part of this. And the value add that, that uh, in the way that scooter map is making money is they, for, for people who are collecting scooters to charge them. Uh, if you want a notification of a scooter in your area, then um, you need to pay the 10 bucks a month for that. Uh, so we need to think of creative ways of of uh, adding value to the rider so that they would want to pay. I think that yeah, dropping off the scooters in front of them would be a, a good one. The business model for these services is you add something, increment, you come with customers, they pay you a cut. So I think we can pretty much just box that business model and then figure out if we actually can add something to the equation, maybe to the smaller ones first. But then when you get big enough, then sooner or later, that's the whole housing market, right? That's what happened in every every market. There's there's a brand and then there's a couple of thousand real estate brokers that all are forced to connect to kind of these aggregators and 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 pay for the ads or share some something and kind of the value add of, of getting traffic. I think this is uh, it's an interesting idea in itself because if you picture a world five years from now, 10 years from now, it's hard to imagine one in which there are 30 different scooter apps, right? It's going to consolidate. And how does that happen? If you can get ahead of that, there's a real business opportunity uh, to do so. One angle, if I could add one last one that it's small, but I think what I'm thinking of is kind of just like travel as we remember it before COVID and, and, and flipping up your, you know, mileage points and, and connecting to kind of mileage in general, maybe airline companies and stuff could, could kind of come in as well and take a position and kind of beyond the actual flight into the city with mileage and, and kind of connect to them as, as a way of kind of expanding the brand experience and brand loyalty into, cause that's what, brands try to do and airline companies haven't been that progressive in my opinion. Like they have these strong connections to us through the mileage. I mean, I have friends that are fair, highly educated, fairly sophisticated human beings that are completely obsessed by mileage <laughs> and, and kind of what color their card has and some brilliant, like made up metal sort or something, <laughs> you know, mitril or something. I don't know, but uh, you know, you know what I mean? I, I think you can relate to it. So, so that, could be also connecting to other industries and transportation, kind of taking that route in Google being one example, but transportation feeling much more relevant. So coming in through maybe star Alliance or, or, you know, any of the kind of airline aggregators could, could be, could be a, a way in to this market. I just read that airlines don't make most of their profits from selling points to credit cards, but 
it is the most consistent stream of profits for them. So it's smart to think about this as a way to expand their, uh, their income base potentially and diversify. I think that's a good place for us to wrap. Ola, where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, about me, um, I think LinkedIn is probably the, the place that I'm getting old now. That's, that's pretty much where I refer people to. <laughs> so you can just search me on, on LinkedIn and, and connect if you want to kind of keep chatting about whatever or if you're interested in what's going on in the music streaming space, which I'm somewhat of a senior citizen within right now. Uh, people can also check out Soundtrack Your Brand, soundtrackyourbrand.com. Ola, thank you very much for the conversation. It's been a pleasure. Looking forward to connecting with you again in the future. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Ethan. Great to talk about something else and, and uh, great hanging out with you. The podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.